T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the DA Show's Permission Granted Podcast, the PGP. This is the show about the show, the show within the show. We go behind the scenes of the show each and every week. We get it on the same place that the DA Show's podcast is available. We also post it on its own podcast feed. So if you get the normal DA Show podcast feed, you'll find us there. If you just want the Permission Granted podcast because of the show you listen to live anyway, you can search Permission Granted and subscribe there. Rate and review us, if you will, if you have the time. That will help other people find the podcast. We are now embroiled in a tete-a-tete, tit-for-tat, mano-mano battle between Mraz and Moe's Southwest Grill. Jeez. On Tuesday's show, a story came across my desk that I knew we had to tackle on the DA show. There's nothing more mothership than this. That Falcons fullback Keith Smith claims that he eats Chipotle four to five times a day every day. What we found out through a little bit of an investigation is this is kind of a fraudulent claim because he says that he meal preps. Mraz, you've done meal prepping before. Sure have. For dietary reasons. What's the definition of meal prepping? Uh, A meal prep is pre-portioning food basically into Tupperwares or whatever else so that you know you're going to grab whatever at whatever time to eat and you're not going to just have a big bowl out there that you keep going back to for seconds. So you kind of just pre-portion everything out. It's it's a pretty good process to try to keep you, uh, you know, not overeating. So when he said he meal preps it and he says he eats Chipotle four to five times a day, basically what he's saying is because he likes the chicken, rice, and beans, is that more than likely he either gets one of those huge catering tubs at the beginning of the week or at the start of the day goes in there for one big serving or two servings or whatever, some burrito bowl, I guess. And then just preps it over the course of the day so that he can eat it four or five times, which, as we've noted, is not really eating Chipotle four to five times a day in the traditional sense. Right. In the most literal sense, fork to mouth, he's forking a product from Chipotle into his mouth four to five times a day. But that's not getting a different Chipotle meal four or five times a day. That's all right. I'm going to order this now. I'm going to save a little for later. Okay. I still don't want to finish it. Here's a little more for later, or at least like pre-planning out. I'm going to have a third of the bowl this time, that time. 
And when the headline reads, he eats Chipotle four or five times a day, it's going to stop you in the tracks. You're going to go, oh, wow, how big a pig is it? And he's a football player? And then when you hear the quote, you realize you got to press him on. That's kind of a fraud quote. So this led us down the road of Mraz's rant from years ago when Chipotle had some significant problems. They had really bad health code violations. They had people getting sick routinely. And if you remember, Mraz, I had my own Chipotle experience with this. Yeah. I I like Chipotle. I've always liked it. I really like their rice. I think that cilantro salt rice is absolutely delicious. It's never too dry. It's always moist enough. I like their chicken. I always get a chicken burrito, pinto beans, white rice, medium salsa, corn, and lettuce. Love it. Sometimes we'll do without the lettuce because sometimes it makes it a little too wet, but I'm a huge, huge fan. But if you remember around this time, I was like, I can't eat Chipotle. Everybody's coming down sick with this. And it was a I think it was big, neurovirus, if I remember correctly. There was something called a neurovirus, that's right, that a couple of people had come down with it a couple of different places. So the, clearly they were getting bad meat from somewhere or they weren't washing the lettuce or the, the vegetables or whatever. It had passed, if you might remember. And so I said, I'm, I really don't feel good going to Chipotle. We have one right down the block from where we work. But I went anyway because I was like, you know what? I, I'm really... I'm really wanting this burrito. And I went in there, and no lie, I wasn't looking for it. I sat down at one of the corner booths next to the uh, the bathroom, and I think maybe where their door goes to the back kitchen, and there were two huge cockroaches. Okay, all right. Huge. And I didn't even want to make a big deal out of it, but I just called over one of the workers. I'm like, hey, just so you know, like, there's two giant cockroaches right there. Yeah. So the manager got a little freaked out. He's like, please send, uh, please email me. And so he gave me his card. So I wasn't looking for a handout like Schwartz or anything, but (laughs) he emailed me or I emailed him and he's like, so sorry about that. Like, do you have any evidence? Did you take any pictures so that we could tell our corporate office? And I said, yeah, I actually took a picture of it because I was going to tweet it out just to, to make you like melt down. So I didn't end up tweeting it out. I don't think. But he ended up giving me like five free burrito cards from Chipotle. So now I had blood money. Now I had to eat Chipotle because they gave me all these free cards. So I did. And, and now I'm back to eating Chipotle relatively regularly. They have not had an outbreak in a long time. This brings us to Moe's. You had melted down at this time that I was, I was dragging down Chipotle by talking about it on the air, that I was potentially going to be the responsible party for, for taking down uh, this, this franchise. These burritos you love desperately. You would claim that if this company shut down, you would die. You would, quote, die without those burritos. Drop dead. Yes, drop dead. You would drop dead without those burritos. So you were really emotional. And you have said in the rant, which we have played many times before, that Moses too bland. Right. Well, today, when we replayed your rant, there was a, a number of people that came to the defense of Moe's. Apparently, there's a lot of people that like Moe's. Okay. I mean, I think that's... I think you could like Moe's. Maybe I'm trying to prep to figure out the right way to word this because I do feel bad that Moe's has now tweeted at me because, as you said, I live for those engagements and everything like this, and I, I could Why easily drop bad? The... I do feel bad. I, and enough enough restaurants have gone through stuff here during the pandemic that there's still hardworking people at Moe's. They've tried hard. They just can't compete with their rivals. You know what I mean? Like, the Jets try hard, but ultimately they're going to lose that game to the Patriots on Monday night. 
So I do kind of feel bad for them. But, 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 all of these people that wave the flag and plant the flag for Moe's, inevitably, if you have any conversation with anybody who tells you how much they love Moe's, the first thing out of their mouth, DA, is always their queso is incredible. And that is my point. You know what? The queso is very good. You ever have the chips with queso? Fine product. I could sit there. I can munch on them. So maybe when I say Moe's stinks, that's not what I mean because I can obviously eat that. My problem is the queso covers up major weaknesses. It's it's like the Packers defense before they added the two Smiths. Aaron Rodgers is always going to cover that up. Chicken, we talk about the chicken seasoning at Chipotle, the barbacoa, the carnitas. You're always getting packed with flavor. No matter what you throw on the toppings, the meat is always going to stand out because it's got such electric flavor. The same thing with the rice with that cilantro. The Moe's, and nothing is cooked with any spice. It's all plain, and it's on you to add whatever salsas you want to add the queso. And that is where I think Moe's stinks. They're great queso. They lean on too heavily, and it completely masks the blandness of their food. They don't even try to spice up their food. And that, if you're going to you know, fancy yourself some sort of southwestern restaurant, where's the spice? There is no spice. Rob the 321 tweeted, D.A. Moraz is absolutely on point. Moe's is bland. My daughter suggests it, and I say, you guys can eat that bland BS. I'd rather eat a sock straight out of the package because that might have more flavor than Moe's. Now, a listener named Ryan tweeted, no way. Welcome to Moe's. I'd take it over Chipotle any day. You responded, Moe's lives off having great queso. It is wonderfully, It is a wonderful medley of melted cheese, no doubt. But try their meats without queso smothering it. Literally no flavor. At this point, Moe's jumps in yeah. and responds with a rolling eyes emoji. In other words, oh boy. Now, this is very interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, I was thinking about you the other day that you routinely talk about how you hate conflict. And if anybody calls you out, <laughs> you will happily stand down. So now Moe's, who you have trashed on the air for years and have now taken to social media, tweets at you. And my guess is you immediately play nice. Number two, Mo, you didn't at mention Moe's. Nobody did. So Moe's was, was Twitter searching their own name, waiting to jump in unless they were listening this morning to the show. So... Uh, well, they could have very easily. I mean, we're a very popular morning show. There could have been somebody at Moe's listening that texted whoever ran the account and said, hey, make sure you check in on these guys. They're talking about us. My guess is that Moe's understands their own deficiencies and understands that they're self-conscious and understands that there are plenty of people like me who are big-time food people who understand and, and know their their hypocrisies. Maybe that's the wrong word, but know their problems and their problems lie with the tasteless meat that they try to shove down people's throats. And to me, the rolling eye emoji, because I was unaware until you read it and then I checked my Twitter and saw what they had tweeted. That to me is an admittance of guilt. That is, we have, we, we're, we're going to acknowledge that we see you're talking about us, but there was no defense there. It was, it was an eye roll of, Oh, man, we're going to have to do this again because people understand that our queso is so great. No, I think it's an eye roll of, oh, brother, this guy's lost. Then you say you're lost. Poke, come at me then. Come at me. That's poking the bear and trying to get me to look like the bad guy by you throwing an emoji, taking the the charge, taking the blocking foul, and now I look like the bad guy because I've come out 
and, and got after you. So now I have one of two things I could do. I could either be the bigger person, walk away, and understand that I still enjoy Moses Queso, and do I really want to, you know, plant my flag there, get into a war, or do I go at them because they poke the bear now, and I have to expose them for what they are. As somebody who's worked in the food industry, I know good food. I know I I know not great food, and Moe's mails it in, frankly. And, and the fact that they get all the credit over Chipotle, I find to be a bit of a disgrace. Well, I don't know if they get all of the credit. I would think that Chipotle is a much more popular well, and more. Mo- uh, Moe's has more this weird thing like like Friends fans have where or like Dave Matthews band fans have where you can't tell them they're not the best and maybe they don't have the majority of people who love them but they're ve- the people that love Moe's or love Friends or love Dave Matthews are very vocal about how it's the greatest thing in the world and I think that that's what Moe's is doing with the Twitter cat too they're trying to stir up that hornet's nest of the Moe's obsessed fan club how many Moe's franchises would you say there are nationally? Whew, okay. I mean, 50 states, a lot of counties. Let's see. I, I mean, I know of at least six on Long Island alone, and that's not even all of New York. I'll say there's 600. Really good guess. 700. Okay. All right. That's a lot of Moe's. How many Chipotles? So there's got to be more Chipotles. Chipotles came first. They were the Backstreet Boys. Moe's was in sync at times. I would say there's got to be 1,500 Chipotles. Nearly twice that, 2,600. Wow. Wow. Okay, so obviously people prefer Chipotle nationwide. It's about a 4-1 to one Chipotle to Moe's. Right. And then you Total have the other franchise. places, your Cadobas and you know these random places that aren't everywhere but people love to. But those, I would say, are the two main heavyweights, wouldn't you? I would I would say so. I don't know how many. It looks like there's about 750 Qdobas. So I guess that's on par oh, with the wow. Moe's. Okay. I would think there would be more Moe's. They're more, I don't know, they're, I, I've seen more Moe's in my life, but looks like they're about at the same level. I also think Moe's has the most commercials, too. I feel like I see a lot of Moe's ads. But maybe that speaks to them you know, needing to garner attention, a big look-at-me attitude from Moe's. So going back to my blood money, if Moe's gave you through this Twitter fight five free burrito cards, would you use them? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Now, but again, what I said holds true. So you're just going to go there just to eat the queso? Yeah, I would get a burrito smothered with their queso because I think their queso is excellent. They... Everybody sends a, a you know an all star major league baseball to the game, right? Like Moses is always going to send that queso to the game. So if I got five free burritos and I'm smothering in the queso, I'm going to walk out of there happy. The problem is it's going to stick to you. My ribs are going to feel fat after. I'm going to enjoy it all, but the the queso will still make it taste outstanding. It's a, it's a great blend. It's a great medley. I meant that. So the the point being. How we talked about Chipotle, how if you could go get something else different every day, right? You could do it for a week. We did that whole bit on the show on Tuesday. You can't get something different at most. It's always going to be smothered in that queso. No matter what you get has to have the queso on it because it's the only way to taste good. I could get four different salsas at Chipotle. Chipotle has, you know, their own queso. It's not that great anyway. But I can mix it up so much. You cannot get a product at most without getting the queso on it. Otherwise, it's just not going to taste good. And that's how, that's how come it stinks. <laughs> Odds that you eat Chipotle today? Well, obviously, as we know the track record of stuff we talk about, (laughs) very high would be the thought. Very, very high. Let's switch over to Monday morning with Brandon Whedon. Okay, we had Whedon on the show. Whedon has been a punchline, a whipping boy for many, many years, which I will say 
I don't know if anybody's going to believe this. Okay. I knew, I was aware of how ridiculous making Brandon Weed and the Whipping Boy was for all of those years. And we did it anyway. And I'm not going to say we didn't do it. I did it. I made fun of Weed in every single way, shape, and form. You know me. I would produce montages. I would edit them myself. I found lowlights and interceptions and fumbles and funny music and would constantly find any excuse to rip Brandon Whedon. But I was also aware that ripping Brandon Whedon was a funny bit because he was obviously more successful and athletic at what he did than anything we will ever do in our lives. No question. He's one of 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. He was a first-round NFL draft pick. He was also drafted in Major League Baseball. He was bad of the 32 starting quarterbacks. But if you're one of the 32 best in the world at what you do, you're way better than what we do. So I knew it was a bit, but we did it anyway because it's just it's good, it's good content. It's just funny to bag on somebody. I mean, <laughs> look, everybody needs a whipping boy. It's just it's funny. What can I say? Making fun of somebody over and over again is just funny. And sometimes I'm a slave to the humor. So when we used to bag on Whedon, of course it was in the context of he's bad at quarterback in the NFL, but I also recognized calling him a bum over and over again is not really fair because he's one of 32 in the world to be able to do this. Now, it brings us to you booking him. After years of bagging on him, I don't know if you and I ever had the conversation of having him on the show. It all stemmed from a Cleveland Browns fan that called us up, and he said that Brandon Whedon's a bum, so we <laughs> used that drop forever. But I never really had the interest in having him on the air because if he's so bad, what can you say? You're going to have him on the air and just make fun of him to his face? I mean, that, that seems like it's a really awkward situation. So when did he become an analyst, and how did you know he was on the Zach Gelb show? Okay, so the background of this is we had discussed this years ago on the overnight about how funny it would be to get him on the show, but I think the overall sentiment was we were an overnight show. It was going to be tough to get a starting quarterback in the NFL and the time to tape it, number one. Number two, if we were going to shoot for any quarterback, are we really shooting for a guy like Brandon Whedon? And would the Browns even give a Brandon Whedon or the Cowboys give a Whedon because they know he stinks anyway and who wants to talk to him? So although we discussed it, I think the overall sentiment was it'll never happen, probably shouldn't happen. What had happened was, what had happened, I caught Brandon Whedon on, I believe it was Good Morning Football or one of these NFL shows, oh. I want to say early season, September. So, wow, okay, Brandon Whedon. And I actually had to look up because when they had him on, my assumption, and I'm tr- I'm really not trying to make a joke, was that Brandon Whedon was a backup quarterback somewhere. Would you have, you would thought, you have he, thought that? He has not been – I kind of – I was tracking his career pretty good, and people would tweet at me constantly about Brandon Whedon being a bum. So I had not received one of those tweets in a long time. I kind of figured he was retired. Okay. So, I mean, I guess that's a fair assumption, but Brandon Whedon just felt like one of those guys who was always going to hang around with bad teams somewhere, like a Mike Glennon. But I guess also Brandon Whedon's age plays into it. So when I saw him, I, that's when I just quickly searched. I'm like, oh, okay, wow, Brandon Whedon is retired. Oh, okay, so he's talking NFL. Then I saw him pop up on uh, a station on Sirius XM. I forgot what station I was listening to, and Brandon Whedon was doing a spot. And I actually thought it was pretty good. I want to say this was around week three or week four. And I said, Brandon Whedon's talking football. That's two Brandon Whedon hits. And I started to have this vision. 
well, we had this discussion about Brandon Whedon. Why would you ever talk to him? Now it seems like he's worthy enough to talk to. He's got some takes on the NFL. He's retired. Boy, this would be a real funny moment now that his career is over to go back. Then Zach Gelb ends up having him on. Mm. And Zach Gelb texts me from time to time. And it was funny. Zach Gelb, I want to say it was somebody we had on. I really, I'm losing track or, or thought on who it was. And he wanted the contact, which is always, Zach Gelb always says he's great guest. And we've made the joke before. Whenever Zach Gelb asks me for a contact, it's like a huge win. Mm-hmm. Because it means that somehow we've had a guest that Zach Gelb approves of and he wants on. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to give Zach Gelb his contact, I want to go one for one here. Zach, I saw you had Brandon Whedon on. Do you have his, absolutely. Nice guy. I had his contact. So I reached out to him and I said, well, he'll probably answer. I don't know if he's a morning person or maybe he'll take a couple days to answer. You never know with former athletes or maybe he'll give me some PR person to reach out to. Brandon Whedon couldn't have been nicer. He answered me within two minutes of a text message and had a very nice conversation about coming on. I said, this is gold. I'm going to do this and I'm not going to alert you guys to it. I want to announce this on the show because of the tie-in, of course, to anybody who's listening to DA show the whole time of Brandon Whedon's a bum. So that is the e-true Hollywood story of how he got on the show. So he ends up coming on, and you said you didn't know what to expect. You didn't, didn't know how I was going to approach it. I didn't, because I knew you. I know you well enough to know, and this is part of the reason I wanted to have him on, that you can't just do a full NFL spot, talk to him, and act like nothing's ever happened with him on the show. I knew that you felt for integrity purposes you would bring it up, but I really was shocked or was in shock and really anticipating how you would approach it, which is why also I wanted to have him on on a Monday because I thought that was best-case scenario, because I knew you had to talk regular NFL hits for him, so it might soften the blow a little bit, but also give a little bit of a weekend anticipation of Monday's show that you would have him on and how you would handle it. So I was pretty nervous because I knew that I had to address it, but I didn't really know how to do it. And would I do it at the outset? Would I do it at the, at the end of the interview? Pete thought, as we were talking down the line with one another in a commercial break, he said, I think you should do it at the end, you know, kind of like butter them up, come at it at the end. And I just thought that we had built it up so much. It would be so, it was so fugazi to play nice with him at the outset, like there was nothing ever, no history between us. And then just like at the end, be like, oh, and by the way, after your 12 minutes here on the show, we totally made fun of you for like five years here on the show. So I wanted to lead with it. And. It wasn't the fireworks of him getting upset or cranky. It wasn't him taking it personally. He was incredibly diplomatic. And it might have been disappointing, actually, for some people thinking that it was going to be more awkward. (laughs) But he was great. He was absolutely great. And it, it does humanize making fun of these players. I mean, how often every show do we call somebody a bozo, a clown? He stinks. He's awful. He should be fired. We do this constantly. And when you hear a guy like Whedon, who was by NFL quarterback standards really bad at it, be that nice about being called a bum, doesn't make it a little harder to do it? Yes. Yes. It absolutely does. And, D.A., this isn't our first rodeo with this. I mean, Chuck Pagano we tailgated with a little bit at the Boise State game. Good call. And that was somebody we crushed as a head coach. This guy's atrocious. He made fun of his sound bites. We still play his sound bite and sound check. The, I eat you. And we hammered Chuck Pagano. And then there he is having a beer at the Boise State. I couldn't have been a nicer guy. And you realize it all. 
we're all human beings, and because they're athletes and celebrities, we feel we can say whatever we want about them. And in many ways, it is our job to entertain and, and trash guys to no end. And then when you're confronted with meeting these guys and they couldn't be nicer and you wish you could just hang out with them all the time, you realize how crummy it is that you that we do this, right? <laughs> it is. Now, in the defense, as I do a little bit of soul-searching here, I do think it's part of the show. And I don't mean our show. I mean, it's part of the sports ecosystem, this kind of like entertainment complex. Players and coaches are entertainers at the end of the day. Yes, they're competitors, but they do this because we pay money for it, because we want to digest it. Like if you said, okay, I don't know, pick your your head coach. You have to do this for free. You've got to go find another job. You've got to do this for free they'd be a lot less inclined to sacrifice days and nights and their family and moving and humiliation if you had to do it for free. So because they get paid a lot of money, because it's part of this whole theater, they know what comes with it is, you know, you get get ridiculed. And what comes with it is fans and media feel like this is also part and parcel of the roles that we play, that we can't just be nice all the time. Because then what does it matter if you ever lose? So I think we all are kind of in this. I mean, I understand my role in this is I get to have strong opinions, but a lot of people get to hate me for those. I mean, every single day on social media, how many times am I just getting crushed like Bills fans that I didn't believe in Josh Allen routinely blow me up on Twitter? Oh, my God. You could imagine Patriots fans. I mean, they just they hate me with a blaze of of, I mean, just hatred and spikes i mean they just want to kill me so i get that it's part of that and i think you have to know so i think with like pagano and i think with whedon you you know it comes to the territory and probably it happens so often that it's got to become a little less it's a little less intense right well and somebody like whedon i mean whedon is self-aware that while the job might have been hard, he stunk in the NFL. Like I, I don't think Brandon Whedon sits at home and thinks he had a great NFL career. So no. when we bring it up, I don't think we're coming out of left field going, hey, Brandon Whedon, you won those three Super Bowls, but just, you know, we said you sucked for 10 years. Like, Right. We, we weren't calling Brett Favre like a, a bum. Right. So, you know, him hearing sports radio or anybody in media's personality saying, hey, we just want to be aware that, you you know, you stunk. I think when his comment was, you know, you're better than most for actually bringing it up, I think he knows. He makes all the rounds on all these shows, and he knows all these people probably shredded him for years, and you're actually bringing it up and being transparent. He, he's aware enough to know that we're not saying anything that nobody else said. Now, was right. he absolutely the punchline where he's a drop on other people's shows. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. The Brandon Weed's a bum. But, again, we didn't break any news to him that he had a lousy NFL career. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? I thought it was great. Right. No. Also, think about the brutality of being a Browns fan back then and for a long, long time. The 2012 draft was Trent Richardson at number three, Brandon Whedon at number 22. They were supposed to be the cornerstones of the Browns' resurgence. Oh. And then a couple years ago, they had two first-round picks and did Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel. Oh! I mean, think about that. Think about when you talk about trading assets in the NFL and go, man, get those first-round picks. Those guys will be stars. The Browns have had two drafts in recent memory where they had two first-round picks, and not one of the four ended up being worthy of anything in the NFL. 
not one of the four that they swung and they missed 0 for 4 with enormous bust potential. Whedon was there for two seasons. He got jettisoned out of town. He was kind of like a, a backup basically for the rest of his career. Trent Richardson goes down in history as one of the biggest free, uh, one of the biggest draft busts ever. Johnny Manziel was basically a drug addict, and Justin Gilbert was a disaster. Did he end up? Where did he end up after he left the Browns? Jeez, that might have been it. Gilbert might have been a Brown and out. I mean, like none of these guys could barely make it after their rookie contract. Right. And think about that. That's four first round picks. Four in two separate drafts. Not one. Not one. Ended up mounting to anything. The closest thing was Trent Richardson with the Birmingham Iron in the AAF. Not one of the four ended up with a second contract on right. the Browns. Justin Gilbert lasted in the NFL three years, two with the Browns. Think about it. He was oh. a cor- not even a quarterback, a corner. The eighth pick overall. He lasted two years in Cleveland, got one year in Pittsburgh, was out of the NFL. Didn't even make it to a year four on a rookie deal. Let me give you the players selected after Trent Richardson because this 2012 draft is actually stocked with pro bowlers, okay? All right. The first two picks of the draft were Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin. So RG3 went 1-2. Trent Richardson goes number three. Number four, the Vikings take take Matt Khalil. Okay. okay? Annual perennial pro bowl. At number eight, the Dolphins take Ryan Tannehill. At number nine, the Panthers take Luke Keekley. Wow. At 10, the Bills take Stephon Gilmore. Wow. At 11, the Chiefs take Don Terry Poe. At 12, the Eagles take Fletcher Cox. Those huh. all five of those guys, plus Matt Khalil, are all Pro Bowl players. Oh. At number 18, the Chargers took Melvin Ingram. At number 21, the Patriots took Chandler Jones. At number 25, the Patriots took Dante Hightower. Oh. Chandler Jones, wow. David DeCastro, Dante Hightower, Harrison Smith of the Vikings all went after Brandon Whedon went at number 22. You wonder how the Browns end up where they end up. It's just, you could swing all you want. You have to at least hit a dribbler to the outfield <laughs> at some point. No dribblers, DA. No dribblers. I mean, not, even a, not even a single where you could go, hey, he ended up being a good player. Probably shouldn't have been drafted there, but at least it was a good player for the team. Like, the guys aren't even worthy of that. No, nope. I mean, one thing, if Justin Gilbert, at the eighth overall pick, became... A pretty good nickel corner for the team, where he's not even in the base package, but you're like, all right, you know what, though? A nickel corner is a position to need. You need to spread the field. The guy was out of the league in three years. Like They didn't even get that. It's unbelievable. And, I mean, here is salt in the wound, where it's a little unfair to pin this just on the Browns because everybody misses when you get to this late in the draft. But Russell Wilson goes in the third round. Oh, Nick Foles goes in the third round. T.Y. Hilton in the third round. And Kirk Cousins goes in the fourth. So the Browns took Brandon Whedon in a draft that had Nick Foles, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins after Whedon. (laughs) And you know what's funny? Had the Browns taken Russell Wilson, 22nd overall, everybody would have crushed them. What are you reaching for that quarterback for? This, that, and the other. And he could have changed their franchise forever. Or the Browns would have been so toxic that we would have never gotten Russell Wilson, the Russell Wilson we know today. That's probably true. I think the thing is, yes, it's it's a little unfair to pin that on the Browns because nobody was going to take Russell Wilson that high. But the Browns also had a second-round pick that they could have taken Russell Wilson. Right. And probably a third-round pick if I check this out. So there was multiple chances to, to grab him. 
What a joke. But, I mean, Whedon, of all the things. Okay, so the final thing I want to talk to you about is today's trashes of Pete the Body Bilotti and his house search. Because I think that you and Bogues have got to talk about this more because Bogues is always so funny on the Pete the Body Bilotti train. I mean, I feel for the guy. Can you believe this? This, this guy with his wife, Bridget, who are amazing. <sighs> They looked at 35 houses in person. By the way, you do so much research online these days that you only go to see a house when you've already looked at like oh, 50 sure. houses you don't like. For sure. So he's found 35 houses online that he actually wants to go see, has gone to see them, made six offers. Two of the offers were accepted, and both of those accepted offers ended up falling through because the inspector was like, you can't buy this house. That is just hellish. The, the stats on that, the metrics, pro football focus on that, just devastating. It, as somebody, and we both went through it at similar times buying a house, maybe there are people out there renting or looking to buy a house. To, as you said, the stats and the metrics. If, if pro football focused at a house search ranking, I mean, he would be right at the bottom of any left tackle taken in the first round right now to go through everything they've gone through. And I would also question if two inspections have failed, maybe on that first walkthrough, Pete's not looking at all the right places <laughs> if the inspections are failing. But I, I do feel terrible for him. And ultimately, much like anything in life that's been 2020, this is typical. Like, Pete is almost George Costanza in that – his timing on everything in life always – it just happens to be so often. It always comes to, of course, with Pete. And having now the time where he's had a beautiful child, okay, we're going to go looking for a home, to look for a home on Long Island where we live right now during the one time in American history where people in the city can't wait to get out to Long Island and there's less inventory on houses and everything that goes with it. Like Pete's timing on finally being able to buy a house could not be worse. And then he still gets in to see 35 houses, still gets into the point where he has two inspections. And, of course, those houses are basically crumbling at the foundation you can't make it up if you tried and if you were to take away everybody on the show's name and you were to tell this story to listeners hey this is what's going on with this person no background whatsoever no doubt about it if you've listened to the show long enough everybody would be like that's definitely happened to pete the body it is just you can't make it up <laughs> it is true out of all of us that would have gone through something like that would have to be pete pete just runs into these situations where it feels like the rain clouds always over his head and everybody else is just dancing in the sunshine. I mean, we all know searching for a house is a really time intensive, all consuming thing because this is your home. You don't right. Most people don't get to buy many of these. Maybe you get to buy two or three in your life. Some people buy one or two in their life. Some people never buy a house. So you want to make sure you do it the right way, especially the first time. And he has hit the market at the absolute most inopportune time. I mean, there could not be a more inopportune time than the year of COVID where everybody in the most densely populated metropolitan area, New York City in America, said, I got to get out of here. And oh, by the way, we don't live in a landlocked city like Indianapolis or Cincinnati where there's just land all over the place. Right. You are restricted because half of where you would move out to the suburbs is the ocean. So you can't move into the ocean. <laughs> so you can only move into Jersey. Well, don't, don't sell peas short. Anything's on the table at this point. <laughs> so you are limited in northern New Jersey, southeast New York, Long Island, or the very bottom of Connecticut. That's the only places you can live if you care about having a job in the city. So 
also Pete's got to get into work every single day because he's obviously pulling the levers and pushing the buttons. He can't do his job remotely. Right. So there's a there's a, a city of 10 million people or whatever that are all like spreading out, like trying to get like the five houses that, that, that are out there. Oh. Also, I, I love Dixieland Dan tweeted and God bless him. He's like, you know, Pete, you should just buy your own plot of land and build a house or uh, move into like a, a mobile a trailer park with a really nice uh, mobile home, like a lot of people are doing that. And I'm thinking to myself, Dixieland Dan, God bless you, but that is so not what you could do in New York. There is no place <laughs> for Pete yes. just to buy a plot of land. There ain't no land left. Like, that's There's not an option left. here. Matter of fact, we're losing land. People have to sell homes <laughs> yeah, as the land right. erodes on all the beaches. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that Pete is just going to, oh, just go buy, a, like, a lot of land on the end of that dirt road that Dixieland oh. Dan lives on. That ain't happening. Hold on. And there ain't a trailer park within commuting distance of the city. There is definitely, there's definitely trailer parks around here and there's some nice ones, uh, but they're not within your hour and a half long Island railroad. uh, Yeah. A commute into the city. Honestly, how this, how this would end would be perfect. If Pete got the mobile home and basically had to park it in a Costco parking lot. And that's where he had to commute back and forth. A lot of parking, folks. A lot of parking. So, so, yeah. So Pete has now looked at 35 houses that he and Bridget had realized online, you know what, this might be our house. 35 of them. That's a lot. That's a lot of open houses, a lot of houses. Through that, a sixth of them, six total, they said, we feel good enough to put an offer on this. By the way, offers skyrocket. People outbid everybody. So you, you you have to feel really good about even putting a bid down. He put six bids down. Four are just flat out rejected. No, nope, not high enough. As he said, at one place, after an open house, they raised the asking price by 50K the next oh, day because there was man. so much interest in the house. So it's an arms race. It's like the SEC trying to pay coordinators. <laughs> and four of them are declined. Two of which, though, were accepted. So Pete and Bridget feel like there's two houses that we went through. All of this, we gave an offer, and it got to the price that we wanted to do, and it was accepted. And they get the inspector. I don't know how your inspector was. My inspector came and was like, yeah, you know what? This is fine. You, you can close Please. on this. There's, there's not a lot here. Like, they're like the septic tank needs like right. uh, some to be re-drilled or, or un, um, needs to be emptied. They're like, outside of that, you're probably right. fine with everything. Pete has had not one but two different houses completely failed the inspection. Of course, you get, you get this from the inspector most times. The bones are good, right? Like, at the yeah. very basis, right. it'll be, this might need a little fixing, this might need a little fixing, but it's not panic, rip the cord. It's, the bones are good, you can work with this. Pete has basically got it to two houses where, like, there's fractures we can't even fix with surgery here. There's you can't no buy way. this house. You cannot, you cannot buy. buy this house. It's unbelievable. And now Pete's upset because they're putting up Christmas decorations on the houses. <laughs> and he knows that means they won't get out before Christmas. I feel so bad for Pete. And the process is so overwhelming as it is. They have a they have a newborn. I mean, Timmy's only a couple months old. Like, it's so overwhelming to begin with. But he's doing it at the absolute worst time ever in the worst market ever. If he was looking for a home you know, somewhere outside of Louisville, that's totally doable these days. You know, it's oh. probably more expensive, but it, it, everybody's kind of like wondering, can I work remotely? Where can I work? Do I want to be in a city? But, you know, there's probably 95% of the country, this is a doable endeavor right now. There is only one city on the East Coast that this is like totally undoable. 
and that's New York City. Boston's really bad right now. On the West Coast, San Francisco's really bad right now. But it's, at this point, just like unfathomably difficult. And he's doing it the worst time with a baby. And the two that he said yes to, the inspector was like, we know that you have your heart set on this. We know that they've accepted your bid. We know that you think you'd move into the house tomorrow. We can't let you in good conscience buy this house. Right. And by the way, the real, like, the butterscotch on top of the ice cream sundae is that Pete is the one guy from the show who has to go into the studio to engineer the show while looking at all of us on Zoom doing shows from the houses we all It's not bought. fair. It's it is not, not fair. fair. It's almost like a Matumbo finger waving at him. It's That's not, not right fair. to him. <laughs> I feel for Pete. I don't even know if I want to do this on Side B with Bogus now. Now I feel bad. I, I'm serious. I, I'm you know, I, I like to buy you guys gifts on, around the holidays. I just feel like I should buy, like, Bilotti, like, it, pay off an inspector. Okay, just whatever the next inspector says, just I'm going to pay him off just to say, let Pete move in. The poor guy wants a house. Right. right. Just duct tape the foundation together. Don't tell him. He'll worry about that in 20 years. Just get him in there. Conscious. Get him in. Just get him in. <laughs> get him into something nice. Right. You just slip right. this guy a 20. You're right. Get, get him into something nice. 15, 20 years, the roof collapses, not our problem. We'll worry about that then. Just the poor guy. My, I'm just – Pete today, God bless him. He's like, hey, have I trashed the house hunt yet? I'm like, yeah, Pete, you've done that a couple of times now. Six straight weeks, Pete. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, then I won't do it again. I go, no, no, no. you you got to do it again. This is just building. This volcano is building. Well, it was either, it was, he was either trashing that or some lady at a bagel store who didn't know how to order eggs or something. That would have been the Pete trashes. Oh, I hope the guy gets the house. I hope the poor guy and Bridget and Timmy, I hope they have a nice house. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The holidays. Well, here's a good play. Here's a good poll question. We could almost wrap with this if you wanted to. What happens first? The Jets win a game or Pete gets a house? <laughs> because both could go into the fall of 2021, by the way. It's very true. Well, I would take the Jets because I think they'll win a game this year, and I don't think that pete finds a house by the end of the wow. regular season wow i don't think that that means we got eight weeks to go or seven weeks to go does pete close in a house in seven weeks around the holiday well i'll give you this does he get into contract on a house he passes inspection we're in contract doesn't have to close oh i don't know i don't think so I'll, i'm gonna pose this question to bogus on side b okay. i'll get his thoughts okay all right Sure, Pete's thrilled at the content here. So, swing or a miss? No, of, no, 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 no swing or miss. I know. I said it's, oh. instead of my headlines, it's going to be swing or a miss. Bilotti's, uh offers on a house. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. What's the bid here? That actually would be a great bid. Have all thirty-five <laughs> houses and play. What would you bid, and what did it go? For? All right, on one thirty-eighth Bellevue Avenue. Is that a swing <laughs> or a miss? <laughs> You know, Mariah, I think I'm going to make that a swing. I think this is the one that they actually accepted the offer on, but this is where the foundation was crumbling. Today. I could see the cracks on the ceiling. Okay, that's side A. Here comes side B. All right. Okay, good luck. All right, thanks. Sorry, my voice is starting to fade here. Let Bogus It is the side B of the PGP. This is Mraz, and it just dawned on me. I think I usually say howdy doody do, Bogus. Why did I just go cock-a-doodle-doo? I don't know, but here we are. We're in too deep, but we're going to run with it. How are you, sir? Listen, it's not my place or anyone else's place is to question your... 
What's the right? Your majesty. I mean, you're just, you You are you. You do what you want. Cock-a-doodle-doo. How do you do do do? It doesn't matter. It just works because it came out of your brain and your mouth. Yeah, it, it is so true. And we were going to get into the Pete the Body Bilotti housing search because I did come up with a great poll question to ask you. Uh, that I just went over with DA, but I do have to bring up speaking of that. So I'm trying, I'm starting to get that. I went with a cock a doo doo or a howdy doo doo doo. I'm really trying to elevate my voice here, and I'm not trying to look for any pats on my back here. But I have now, on the third straight week, where there has been something where I've woken up, and I, I'm, I keep blaming my daughter for whatever she's bringing home, different illnesses at every turn. Now I got like the back of my throat is closing. I'm really trying to get the most out of it. Last week I had the cold. The week before I had some other cold. And it's just nonstop chaotic. And I, I do think, Bogues, that I, I want to bring up, because we really didn't get into it as much on the show, and that's probably fine, the, the ordeal that I had to go through last week where I end up driving into the studio only to be turned away because I had a fever. All ties into this not feeling good nonsense. Uh, I obviously was not a part of the cheat chat for most of the show. I'm, you know, all looking whenever I'm in stop and go traffic. Do you believe there was real sympathy? Because I know you stood up for me from DA, from Kaplan and, and Pete the Body over what I was going through just to get in the studio after we end up getting the connections anyway. Yeah, I think it was more... Um... It wasn't pure sympathy. I think people appreciated the entertainment. Um, they were happy it wasn't them. Nobody was, like, celebrating your issues, like, oh, you know, Sean deserves it or something. There wasn't that going on. But, like, this began from a place where both DA and Pete had to make, like, business decisions, so to speak. Right. They had to make decisions on the fly. And... um like they got the ball rolling to where you ended up being. And I, I don't know. I don't know how to, I can't as of, you know, from a distance, I can't really gauge their sympathy, but in the G chat, even on the air, they were not as sorry as I would have been. Had I been, I, at least it didn't sound like it as sorry as I would have been. Had I been the one whose decision put all that in motion for you because except for the temperature like turnaround all the other stuff was was going to happen like you were gonna sit in traffic for forever right you were gonna have a crappy parking situation you were gonna have to walk from miles away possibly you were gonna miss the majority of the show and you know you would have spent maybe 90 minutes in the building and then gotten right back into your car so like even the That's temperature true. thing which added a whole other level of frustration didn't even really change your day that much. And so, like, I, I would have felt really terrible if I was in charge that day. And I I didn't get the sense that either one of them felt too, yeah. too bad well, that that had all gone down. Well, so for those of you who may not have been on top of this, Thursday's show comes 5.30 a.m., a half an hour before showtime. All the connections into the studio from our home connections drop. We can't get them up. We actually start the show with DA at 6 a.m. doing the show from a computer audio it was a whole mess, and I actually think Pete the Body handled it really well in that spot for no bosses really being on top of it. So I'm really not trying to blame it. It's not his fault. It was just it was chaotic. So at 5:45, I get in a car, and I I'm thinking even in New York City traffic, I might be just ahead of it, and I was for about the first 20 minutes on the ride, and then I was slammed. It was like everybody got in the car by 6 a.m. and I sat and I sat and I sat and I sat for two hours, bumper to bumper traffic into Manhattan only to arrive in that stupid cold I had, and maybe combined with me running into the the, the office or anything, you have to do the COVID temperature readings, and the, the people in the lobby send me home. 
send me home so there was no payoff. And I listened to the show on the way home. I, I do have to say, as we peel back the curtains we do on the PGP, that was as angry as I was internally during a show. Now, you've seen me mad with bags on my head talking about giant stuff. <laughs> I have never had the feeling, and I, I maybe you have had this, Bogus, where you're just flat-out angry, annoyed, you want to curse every bad word under your mouth, but in the end, you don't even know who you're supposed to be angry at because there's nobody to be, really be angry at. You're just angry at the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, and, right, because nothing really... I, really, the only thing that I guess you could have, like, investigated and figured out why it happened and then been met at a specific person is, like, the temperature thing. Like, did you actually have a temperature? I don't right. I don't know if you're, like, how hot... I mean, I guess everyone's different, but, like, I don't know that you could give yourself a fever right. by just running, even in a jacket with a backpack on your back, not being a marathon runner to begin with. I don't know that you could have made yourself that hot because they said your temperature was over 100, right? Right, I mean, 100.1. That's, like, that's hot. If and not, I did it twice. Now, like, twice it said that. Right. Because now with kids, like, the doctor will tell you, like, don't co- like you don't need to come here if your temperature is, like, 99 points. That, that, that's really not a temperature. Like, get over 100. So, like, you, you're you in, like, the temperature zone at that right. point. So, like, did, is there gun? Is there is there gun like miscalibrated did you actually have that body temperature so like maybe that is where you could be angry like that that person wasn't doing something correctly or they didn't like turn the gun on right so it was scanning incorrectly or they didn't scan you right but other than that like i don't even know who unless somebody like spilled a drink on our coffee or on our computer console and that's why all the things went offline there's really nobody to actually be mad at yes nobody to be mad at but it was a rough day cursed a lot under my breath was happy to be back friday but here i am it's Tuesday, and I got something else I'm coming down with. It, it doesn't end. And, and it's weird because it makes you more paranoid, and I'm sure you're well aware of this with kids and everything like this. In the COVID now era we live in, it's almost kind of like we forget that you, know, you can still get colds and strep throats and sore throats. Like, none of that stuff went away, but your fear is always it's either COVID or it's nothing. And here I am dealing with three different somethings, and because it's not COVID, you're almost assuming it's not nothing, and I'm not getting any better. It doesn't end. Yeah, could it doesn't we? End. If there's another, if there's another pandemic, and God forbid, but oh, like, could we not. at least get a very, like a, like a, a unique symptom that there's nothing right. else in the world except this thing that, like, make my thumb turn green, so I can go, okay, right my thumb's point. green, I got it. Like, don't leave me in because I, the first time I got tested back in the spring was because allergies were so bad, and right. I mean, basically, allergy symptoms are COVID symptoms, so, like, and you, you don't know the difference, right. so that's why I got tested, and, like, now, even, too, like, in school, we've got kids that have strep throat, which happens all of the time, but, again, it's the same thing. My throat is sore. It feels like I'm swallowing glass. I have a fever, but I don't have COVID, but then you've got to be home. You've got to take a horrible COVID test, and you're, you know, I don't, I don't want my nine-year-old to have to do that a bazillion times so yeah right like the next time can we just get one thing that makes it clear that you have it not create all this extra confusion i agree i agree now we've done enough sicky talk so let's get into real quickly pete. uh yeah pete so da and i talked about peach trash there on on side a of the pgp and it's just you can't make it up if you were to, i brought this up folks if you were to just lay out the scenario of what pete's going through with a house and said hey who do you think on the show is going through this to all our listeners wouldn't everybody immediately go it's got to be pete right like it's just it's the story it's so sad it's the story of it 
So he's obviously going through all this now. He's angry with the Christmas decorations going up. <laughs> I, mean, I really, if you, you have to laugh to keep yourself from crying. I really want this guy. In, I want Bridget Moore to find a house because dealing with Pete's got to be enough. Dealing with Pete and a housing search has got to be a nightmare. I, I want to ask you this question, Bogues, and I'll let you come in a sec. What happens first? And this is a coming off Monday Night Football. Yeah. Do the Jets win a football game? Or does Pete get into at least contract where the inspection is passed on a house? Doesn't even have to close. I I'm I'm gonna go well. Remember the, the Jets, Jets win a football th- game that could carry over to the fall of 2021. Here. Yeah. Right. So so we are gonna go past this year, huh? That's gonna. I'm just talking about the next count. time the New York Jets organization wins a football game, to the time Pete the Body Bilotti goes into contract on a house. Which one of those two things will happen first? Uh, I'm gonna go. With Pete finding a house, because now that I know that we can extend to the next football season, because if it was just this year, which for the Giants, the Jets, their last game is January third, it's possible Pete doesn't have anything locked in in the next two two months. Uh, but if we can go to next September, then I would hope by then he has found a house that does not anger him enough to walk away, and they actually get oh. it and can keep it. But then you're telling me you think the Jets are going zero and sixteen. I think the Jets are going 0-16. I think, I think when we look back on this year, last night was their chance, based on the score, to get their win. I don't know that they're ever going to be up 10 at home entering the fourth quarter like they were last night. Okay, that's a fair answer. Now, I have no idea if he's still there, so I'm going to look for one quick answer. Is Pete the body still with us? Barely. It, I think barely. that was a look. Barely. <laughs> Pete, if you're there... I need an honest answer. You're in contract on a house or your beloved New York Jets win a football game? What happens first? We're in contract on the house. The Uh, Jets are terrible. All right. All right. So there's C. (laughs) We end the PGP with optimism. That is both Bogus and both Pete the Body telling you Pete the Body Bilotti will be in contract on a house before the New York Jets win a football game. DA was very skeptical on that on side A. But we have both of you delivering this. Here on I mean, though, optimism, though, is a really loose term because we're allowing Pete to find a house before next September, hey. which is still like 11 hellacious months from now, possibly. So um, it's really not that optimistic. Hey. Small wins are still wins, right? We got to get that house before <laughs> Timmy gets to kindergarten. That's the way I would look at it. All right. And that's going to wrap it for the cockadoodle-doo PGP. <laughs> You can follow Pete the Body and his housing search at PeteTheBodyRealtor.com or at Pete the Body <laughs> on Twitter. You can follow Bogues with your Twitter. At uh, Andrew Bogish. Uh, yeah, and now he has to get back to that writer show he's so in love with. And you can follow me on Twitter, at CBS. Have a great weekend. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.